a mic. Welcome to We Bought a Mic. Hey everybody, um, as you guys probably noticed um, from the intro, there's only two of us here today. You're probably looking for that third voice to come in, maybe bust a sweet verse or two in there, but... Yeah, I um, am Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. And Drew is holding himself hostage. He's sitting here right now, but his mouth is taped shut, and he's just like... Freaking out over his computer, trying to finish his schoolwork. And and the reason okay, for Drew, this is okay. is he's also he's punishing himself because he did not watch cockblockers with us, and so therefore he's been a bad naughty boy. He's being tied up right now. He hasn't had any water in three and a half days now. All right, it should be fine. Since bright, really. Yeah, Drew. Drew's not in a in a good place right now, no. but. Everyone, just send your send your thoughts and prayers because that's that's what he needs right now. Yeah, he he just he needs to get through this time, um, and he'll be back. He'll be back shortly once um, his favorite franchise of all time returns next week. Oh, Star Wars has a movie coming out. Uh, close Avengers. So let's let's get into these predictions. Um, I want to predict what's going to happen in Infinity War. Okay. Um, I want to try to get something on record because we're a little bit of, we're within a week, right? Yeah, it comes out, uh, well, I'll probably be seeing it on Thursday. Yeah, me too. I got my ticket. So so we're a couple days out by the time you guys hear this. Um, Let's just talk box office first. What are we looking at? Um, I would guess probably domestic. Is that what we're looking at? Okay, opening weekend, I'm going to go... With a good 240, 245. Okay, I think think that sounds about right. I'm thinking total domestic, it's going to gross about 650 or so, would be my prediction. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay. 650 total. So around like 240, 250, that sounds about right. That's. That's that's insane. a lot. I mean, that's insane that we're just like throwing those numbers around casually yeah. out there. But it seems kind of impossible that this movie won't do that well. Yeah, I think, um, I think, you know, looking at our summer movie wager, um, we all have Avengers as number one, except for front of the pod Harry Sayer. He's the only one who put Jurassic World going against the grain. Although yeah. I do think that if any movie is going to beat it, I think it's going to be Jurassic World over Solo. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I mean we'll, we'll see. So, for, uh, for the record, uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens has that all-time record for domestic box office at $936 million. I don't think this is going to reach that high. Oh, the original Avengers had that 623 figure that you I think this, there's a chance that this could go up to 675, maybe close to 700. Yeah. Black Panther is at 681 right now. Yeah, I... I it, I didn't realize Black Panther's already at six eighty one. So it Isn't might be this might be it's like already a seven hundred million dollar type of movie. Yeah. I don't know if the like 
if this will bring out... I mean, this is another... It has Black Panther in it, so maybe everybody who loved Black Panther will come back out to see this movie, but it doesn't seem as like it's trying to make as big of a social statement as Black Panther was, so... Yeah. It's hard to... It's hard to uh, and I think, I think people are unsure of how good the actual movie's going to be because it's so yeah. many characters. So do you, do you want to make predictions about what's actually going to happen? Yeah. I yeah. have a prediction for who's going to die in this movie. Okay. Let's I've been say, thinking about it. Let's say our top three most likely deaths in order, like one being the most likely. So who do you think is going to be the most likely to die in this movie? I think Vision's going to die in this movie. Okay. It's a safe Vision. bet. Yeah. Um, uh, He's not Thanos. like part of the real core. Um, are we doing just the Avengers team or like just anyone? Anyone okay. in the movie? Anyone? Yeah. Well, Vision. Um, extra number four <laughs> will die. <laughs> um, uh, Thanos has to get them stones, and yeah. one of them stones is in Vision's head. So, yeah, it just kind of seems good right bet. that he's. And it's not like he's really that integral to the plot. We'll have a dramatic scene with Scarlet Witch looking out on Vision going, No! As he gets fucking murked. Yeah. uh, I think my number one is Loki. I think okay. Loki bites yeah, it in Loki, this one. Yeah, Loki is on my list too. Yeah. People. Would he be your number two? I think Loki would be number two okay. for me. Um I think yeah, Vision's a good like, bet. It seems like it's about time. Like, Vision's Loki a good is bet, out. but my number three would be Vision because my number two is Iron Man. I think oh, you Iron think Man Iron bites Man's it. Gonna... it all, the, all the signs point to it. You know, He wants to be checked out of this already. RDJ, I mean. Although we have alluded... I would, I would love for him to die, but I don't know if Marvel will go there. I Exactly. Like We have alluded to... Tony kind of just being phased out somehow without actually dying like the character being uh, having his his end quote unquote without him actually dying so there we have kind of like thought that may be a possibility but I think that to show Thanos as like a true threat he has to he has to kill someone someone big and I think he's I think Tony's a perfect uh candidate for that i would i okay so between our two main characters i think that i would pick captain america as a little bit more likely at least in my mind to be the one who bites the dust in this movie it just kind of seems like captain america like civil war he kind of he turned against his team a little bit now we see all the posters of him coming back he's the grizzled captain america and everything and i could see this kind of being his last hoorah and he like goes out trying to save the team, but that's not my number three. My number three, it's going to hurt your feelings. It's Hawkeye. No. I think it might be, it might be time for Hawkeye to just just, fucking get the fuck out of there. I don't think that's going to happen because I think he's not going to be in the fight. So why would he die if he's not in the fight? I think he's going to be taking care of his family. He's going to be protecting his wife and kids. He'll be in the movie. He's just going to have like one or two. They'll cut away to him. Just like sitting there with his fam. Yeah. Like covering them, like protecting them by putting his body. Just I like just he protected that child like, in Sokovia. Yeah. Like the same thing. Yeah, the same exact thing. Just with thing. his family. It'll be a nice callback to Ultron. Yes. <laughs> sure. All the fans will remember that. I, I also have another prediction for you. I think this movie will be good. Oh, yeah? Not great. Like mid-tier Marvel? 
I think it'll be it'll be upper tier Marvel. Okay. It'll be upper tier. I don't think it's going to be the best. I don't think this is gonna be as good as Winter Soldier. Maybe not even as good as Civil War. It's because Civil War, like there were actual real people fighting against each other and not big purple man. Um Dude, so Thanos looks great though. He looks like a really good thumb. <laughs> it's like the the Spy Kids like thumb monster. Yeah, yeah dude, that's that's yeah. who they got. Yeah, is that the same effects team from yeah. Spy Kids? They yeah. brought them in for this movie. Yeah, you know they're world class. Um, so I have another prediction. I've been thinking about the title of this movie, Infinity War. I know it's based on a comic book. I know that there's a comic book called Infinity Gauntlet, and then another one called Infinity. But I think that this movie is going to start doing some crazy shit in this universe. I think we may see some sort of time travel. Infinity. That implies time. Yeah. I don't know what that in, in, like in, entails, but I think that this movie is probably going to end in some sort of cliffhanger involving like the death probably of Iron Man. And then the Avengers being thrown into some sort of like extra dimensional time. I mean, we haven't encountered a character yet who can travel time yet. Uh, there is a time universe. stone, though. There's a time stone, and we've and seen. We've I mean, seen, Doctor um, Strange can teleport. Well, so yeah, but we've seen can... um, time be manipulated in Doctor Strange, right? So the the notion has been introduced, and we did see Dormammu in that time vortex, like out of time vortex yeah i mean i that would be a cool interesting direction uh i just wonder how i'm i'm nervous about that from the perspective of if they went all in on it i think that'd be fucking dope but i feel like the problem is is marvel's too big of a franchise that they have to make things that are mass appeal they can't do so it's going to be very convoluted and very muddled down okay for what this very vast interesting concept is what that's a, my only concern what about the th- the theory of the scrolls taking over the secret war are you oh, familiar with that n- no not okay really. so there's this theory because it's a it was a big event in the comics called secret war where um these aliens called the scrolls which i think that they may have been referenced in one of these movies before were those the people who stan lee was one of in the guardians Guardians I don't know. Too? No, I don't think Is so. Okay. I don't think so. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Um, oh, wait. I know what you're talking about. When mm-hmm. he's talking to those tall yeah, yeah. beings. No. Uh, I think that's the Watchers. Okay. The scrolls, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the scrolls are supposed to be in Captain Marvel. I don't think they've made their appearance yet. Um, but the whole thing with the scrolls is that they're shapeshifters. So they could take the form of any of these characters that we've gotten to know over these movies. So in the comics, it was a huge revelation that a bunch of the Avengers and the heroes were actually like alien beings that had taken the the form of these of these characters, mm-hmm. and it was like a secret invasion, secret war. Um, so I think that they may try to do that, and that how maybe how they start to recast some of these characters in okay. universe. Yeah, that that could work. I could see that working. I also kind of. Um I think I was talking with friend of the pod, Colin, about this, about this idea of using Infinity War to introduce Captain Marvel. Um, I'm not sure exactly of the logistics Black on how Panther this will style work. in Civil War? Yeah, or maybe not even have Captain Marvel herself show up until like a post credit scene. Let's say that 
Thanos gets the gauntlet and he has to like he's like going to attack somebody. Doctor Strange opens up just like a portal to somewhere and pushes, let's just say, Tony Stark into the portal. And then he opens he comes out on this strange alien planet and we see Captain Marvel there. Need a hand? Whoa. Partner. <laughs> Partner, no. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll touch back based on uh, this movie and we review it next. We could ep. be completely wrong. This could just be like Kevin Feige just like jacking off on a screen for <laughs> two hours and forty minutes. I hope it's good. Uh, but we have another little bit of predictions I want to make for Westworld season two, which premieres tonight. Yeah. Um. So beforehand, uh, do you want to talk about the like genius PR move that the Westworld? creators did which i thought was hilarious a lot of people are have their fucking panties up in a bunch about it yeah so if if anyone doesn't know uh the creators of westworld posted this message on reddit saying that they would spoil the entirety of season two for the reddit community so that they could protect so that they could do yeah so they could do like kind of how game of thrones was treated earlier on where the actual yeah where the book readers it was like a common thing just like Common courtesy, know like, hey, if you read the books, you know how this is going. Don't spoil events like the Red Wedding, stuff like that. So they had this quote-unquote idea that they were just like, all right, we're just going to create a short little video where we're going to show everything that happens so that everybody will know, don't spoil it for the people who want to watch the show. And it was an easy thousand upvotes to get this to happen. Like, a thousand upvotes is nothing. nothing. (laughs) Yeah, so of course they did it. And they went ahead and posted this video. But before that, leading up to it, there was this whole debate about like what this means for the future of yeah. TV and spoilers. And it was, for some reason, everyone just assumed, of course, you know, why wouldn't they? But um, that they were being serious. I, I had my doubts. I, I thought that they may have been trolling. But for some reason, the story just picked up. No one, the, the narrative of this being fake didn't really come through yeah it was a couple people who were just like they would like kind of go through this whole debate on what this means and everything else and they'd be like or you know they could always just be fucking with us but that's probably not going to happen and like that is exactly what happened it was a straight up rick roll they they posted (laughs) this actually really great video of uh evan rachel wood singing the never gonna give you up um she's got a great voice it was a great video but it is jonathan nolan like basically knows reddit really well yeah and he knows the the language and the sensibilities of like hardcore redditors and he knew that this would just be a fun way to kick off the season to kind of piss them off yeah he knew that it would piss them off and he he knew that that was what they that's what they do that's what they're into they're into the kind of like that cynical uh you know self loathing almost not loathing but like self-antagonizing yeah, 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 yeah. sort of uh approach to things you know trolling and all that yeah. that's that's straight out of reddit so i mean that being said uh do you have uh, any major predictions for you know this, season two this so far? is a kind of show that you can't really predict what's going to happen um because it, it, it's been said it's been said before but it's almost like season one was the prequel to the actual story yeah so it could go a, a, a number of ways i know the trailer has showed hints of the the west the residents of westworld um mm. making it to the mainland quote unquote like mainland we get samurai world yeah shogun world shogun world yeah uh so i don't know um 
obviously mild spoilers for Westworld. Um, if you haven't caught up, go ahead and skip this. But I, I really think that we're going to see a... I hope we get to see a deepening of these themes about what it means to be conscious and what it means to be humans, particularly with Maeve and Bernard, Mm -hmm. because with Maeve, her, the ending to her story in season one is so interesting because she figures out that the plot to rebel for the robots to rebel is actually being orchestrated by Ford. Mm -hmm. And she thought that she was like on her own path. Right. And she learns that she's being controlled through this updated narrative that Ford was working on. So her decision to not escape and to stay in Westworld, does that mean that she actually made her own decision? I mean, that's a very interesting idea to, to explore. It is in this idea of like, what kind of level of consciousness do they have? Um, I do, uh, you know, Big critic who we're both a fan of, uh, Andy Greenwald. You sent in a message to him on his podcast, yeah, yeah. and I honestly, I kind of agree with what his thought is. is yeah, I, I asked the Watch Boys, like particularly uh, Andy Greenwald, because he's just not a fan of the show. What what it would take for him to like it? And what did he say? He said he, that said he wanted that some real characters. He, wa- he said he wants one about. real human character for him to care about, which I kind of understand that because while I do love the grand ideas of the show, it doesn't capture the, these ideas of consciousness and what it means to be alive where something like Blade Runner, I think does. Um, and this show I do, I Again, I should say I love season one, but I do want a little bit more than just the man in black. I want like an actual human character who although, we can see. Although Ed Harris is a great, great oh Ed actor. Harris is he does great. an awesome, and job. I'm glad that Jimmy Smith is coming back too. So that yeah. means that we are still going to be seeing these two different timelines in season two, mm-hmm. like we did in season one. Um, and the way that the way that season uh that season two ends with Ed Harris's character season one or season one ends with Ed Harris's character. Uh, and that like look on his face that he finally got what he wanted real out stakes. of Westworld real stakes. Yeah. That that's interesting. And that's why I was so excited about season two. And why I think that it could be a much better show than it was in season one, even though I was a fan of season one. Yeah. I think season one had a little too many moments of deviating into and, these like kind of weird subplots and that lots of yeah subplots that went really nowhere yeah. like especially if you go and rewatch the pilot like there's all these things it seems like it's going to be a completely different show that ends up being exactly yeah and, and I, I hope that they have a clearer plan of the course of the entire season because i think with season one like we know that there are all of these issues behind the scenes i mean they made the pilot and then they shoot the rest of it for like another two years yeah, they, or something they like had that. to redo a lot of it so that makes sense from a production standpoint but this season you know they don't really have that excuse of not having a, a clear plan for the whole story of the entire season i'm hoping so i'm hoping that they kind of have everything together i will say um in the uh in the trailer for season two we have Maeve looking for her daughter. It was giving me some major Blade Runner twenty forty nine vibes of like yeah. a, a robot that made a child, like about yes. how that exactly works. Like that yeah. was whenever I saw that I was like, Did they just like watch Blade Runner twenty forty nine or something? Like That's a great thing to explore because you know, watching the first season, 
I personally, I just assumed that those were implanted memories. Right. But if we get confirmation that like they figured out a way for, I mean, that's so Blade Runner for them to actually like give birth. Yeah. I mean, Grant, this season two was shot before Blade Runner 2049 yeah. was released. So they had these ideas independent from each other, yeah. but still. It's, I, I can't wait for this. This premieres tonight, so we'll be talking about it next week. Uh, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. I, I can't wait for the show. So let's get to the news now. Um, or actually, before we get to the news, I just wanted to have a quick little Isle of Dogs revisited segment because I saw the movie again last night. I just wanted to come on the on, on the pod here and say that I was wrong about this movie. Uh, revisiting it gave me a completely new appreciation for the craft of this stop motion animation, like the detail of every single little bit of everything, every inch of the frame, it's meticulously crafted. Like watching the movie a second time, you know, you know, you kind of know what you're seeing because you've seen the movie before, so you're able to kind of take it in a little more. Uh, this movie is so close to being a masterpiece. Like, I really, I still think that the Tracy stuff, the Greta Gerwig stuff, is not good. But it really doesn't take up that much. No, it really time. doesn't. And that's what I was trying it's to so say. It's so brief. Like it, it really. It's this whole movie is just like incredibly well yeah, paced. The the pretty much the bulk of this movie takes place on Trash Island. Mm. I I don't know why on my first viewing I was so kind of jarred by the cutting back to Megasaki because that stuff. Um, although I still stand by how. It, uh, it could have been streamlined a little mm. bit to add more time to Trash Island. It doesn't really take up that much time. It, I, I don't know why I felt like it was so much more intrusive to the main plot. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to say that Isle of Dogs is amazing. And even though there is that Greta Gerwig stuff that I don't like, it's not enough. That's not enough to really ruin the movie. Yeah, I uh I'm I look forward to revisiting it too just because whenever I saw it it was a movie that I knew it would like most Wes Anderson movies I feel this way that they do get better with uh each view afterwards um just because you know you're less focused on the plot you can pay more attention to the little details and that's where wes anderson cares the most about his films especially is in the little details especially with the stop motion animation oh my stuff. god yeah like you can this is Oof. just the ultimate playground for him to be in yeah i yeah i the more and more that i think about it i think that this is my favorite movie of the year so far um i just think that Almost every aspect of it is kind of superior to every other film that's come out this year yeah. so far. It is only April, so I mean, we still have two-thirds of the year ahead of us. Yeah, but. this this movie, ever since last night, it, it just climbed up my, my top-of-the-year list. And I have it at number two right now, but you know, comparing it to Annihilation, I, I'm having trouble not putting it at number one. Yeah. Um, you know... We, we still have a lot of months left, so yeah. who knows if it'll even make it to the top 10 based on what other movies we see. But I really, I kind of take back some of my negativity from last week. Um, I, I I do think the, the points were valid. I just don't think that they hold as much weight upon a second viewing. So right. uh, let's get to the news now. We got 
Kanye coming back to Twitter and announcing not one but two albums. Yep, so he's got uh, a, a solo album, which is seven songs, eight that's songs. That's what I heard, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then he's releasing an album with Kid Cudi, which, I mean, I'm I'm interested in that. I am a huge fan of Man on the Moon. Uh, oh, yeah? Volumes. No, 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 Like, <laughs> but like, I was so into those albums whenever they came out, and since then... I just have not liked any of Kid Cudi's work recently. Like it's all just trying to be something great, and none of it really clicks. In he has any a kind couple of a good, good songs. There's a, I mean, there's surfing. Surfing's a good song, um, but I mean, it's just it, it, like there's standout tracks, I guess. But it's otherwise, I just like ever since I wasn't a fan of Indicud. Of Speeding Bullet to Heaven is just like a weird fucking album. It's a bad like, album. It's bad. Like, and it's trying to be great, but it's just not good. And I didn't even listen to Passion Pain and Demon Slaying, so I can't even speak to that. His album that came out in 2016. It's just okay. Grant says it's just okay. It's good. Okay. Grant, what do you what do you think about this uh, Kanye West two albums in one year? Two albums. I'm I'm ready for it. Kid Cudi was, I was not expecting a Kanye Kid Cudi kind of revival, but I, I agree Kid Cudi has not lived up to, uh, to A Man on the Moon. Like, th- I honestly, was, I wasn't even a fan of that album. I was really, in, I, the only other album I liked is Passion, Pain, and Demon Slay, and I thought he came back with some groove on that, but uh, hopefully they come with some weird energy on this album. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that Kanye's seven song solo album is just gonna be like a circle jerk for Kanye. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, let us have it, please, please. But uh, I'm pretty excited for these these two little projects. My my take on on Kanye is that I love that he is willing to just piss people off. Yeah, I just hope it doesn't become like sensationalized to the point that he's compromising the quality of the music you mean to the point where he writes a book on philosophy is that what that's what he's doing (laughs) no is he gonna develop his own like brand well i I was reading his own like sect of philosophy yeah yeah he he, uh he's just gonna put it all out on twitter he's gonna write a book on twitter oh like tweet by tweet yeah, supposedly. Okay. Kanyeism. <laughs> yeah. So I I uh I hope this is good. Um I, have I like faith in him. I like, like Pablo and I love Yeezus, so I'm always ready for Kanye to throw like a fucking curveball at us. I mean Kanye, I uh, like Yeezus especially was met with so much like criticism just from like mass audiences. And then Life of Pablo, there was so much of like a lack of control on that album with how many times he released it and then edited songs and then re-released it. And like, it's just like such a mess of production that I really hope that this is, it's only seven songs as opposed to life of Pablo, which was like, how many songs is life of like, Pablo? 20. It was 20 it songs. 20? It's, it was a lot. It's like 18 Where, like, maybe. If he goes back to like Jesus level, like Jesus is 10 songs. And I think that's like a very tight eight. album. Jesus is 10 songs. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, what if this is bad? What if, what if this is just straight it's up definitely like possible. bad? That's <laughs> definitely possible. I mean, I don't think... I wouldn't say that Kanye has ever made a bad album so far. I'm not a huge fan of 808s and Heartbreaks, but like, 
I'd say that's probably my least favorite of his albums. There, there is like a small sliver of Kanye fans that that's their favorite. Oh, I album. know people love 808s yeah. and Graduation. Yeah, um, those two are probably my least favorite Kanye mm. albums, to be honest. I mean, he's always trying to do something different. Yeah, and, whether or uh, not people like it, he's always just he doesn't care about any any of the the norms or expectations for what a Kanye song or album should sound like. There's definitely high potential for this album to be bad though, just because Life of Pablo, he was so up his own ass and he could just go even more up there for this. Yeah. And this could just be all songs just like singing about himself and how fucking uh, he's a god. And- see, that's the that's the thing that I don't like about Kanye is that while he is increasingly more experimental with his production the lyrics are just getting worse. They are, yeah. It's it really. <laughs> you're right, though. That like they I mean, used to be like on college dropout. The lyricism was amazing. I feel like he's kind of because you know he started before he even released uh, college dropout. He was like known for being a producer, so he felt the need to show his lyrical and his rap game on those albums. And then in the recent years, he's like, oh, everybody knows me as a rapper. I'm going to start overproducing the hell out of my shit and then like kind of not really worry about the lyrics. And that just, that it more comes across as lazy at that point. I mean, the life of Pablo, like the, the drop in father stretch my hands. Like that's fucking like, it just gets me hyped yeah. every time I listen to it. Fade. <laughs> yeah. Ultralight. Like, there's, there's so many great songs on that album. Yeah. Some all time, like best Kanye songs on that album. Um, yeah, I guess the, the only other thing I wanted to say about this is that Kanye's already on thin ice in terms of like his persona and like his public life. Um, he is a crazy person. Like, straight up but he is a genius artist genius musician and if the quality of work starts to slip then what the hell are you left with right you know so you know best of luck to him he, he's a father now he has three kids two kids uh i think that kim either is pregnant or just has Something. a third baby so you know Something he's like got that. he's got stuff to do other than just work and work and work and hopefully hopefully he raises his kids right because I don't know, man. He's he's all he's not a hundred percent there in his head. <laughs> no. So be, best of luck to you, yay. Um, another little bit of news that I wanted to talk about is Amazon is on that uh, money train constantly, and we already know they're trying to adapt Lord of the Rings, but they're not they're not going full force for that show. They're gonna try. I, I know Jeff Bezos has a company mandate to find the next Game of Thrones. Like, that is the M.O. for Amazon TV, for Prime TV right now. So, they're developing a show out of one of my favorite comic books, East of West. Yeah, so I know that you've actually read the story. I'm not really that familiar. I know that you were a big fan of the comics, but I'm not sure of what the story is. Do you know the premise is. at all? No, I don't. Okay, it's super cool. Um, I think this series has been going on for a little while now. I... I, I don't really keep up with comics as much as I would like to nowadays. And I would love to like revisit the story and see where it's gone. Uh, Cause I think I'm like really behind at this point, but the overall kind of concept is an alternate reality where in the civil war kind of era, a meteor struck earth 
and divided the United States into like seven different nations. Um, and then fast forward to like really far in the future and all of these seven different nations have developed into like different um, ways, d- d- different versions of like futuristic kind of societies. So let me see if I can remember all the, the seven ones. There's the un- there's like a union one, a, a confederacy one, um, a Native American one, a New Orleans like kingdom one, like a Bayou people one. Mm. Uh, there's like a Western one, like the the rep, like rebels, like mm-hmm. um, outlaws sort of nation. There's a Chinese one, like the Chinese coming over and colonizing the West Coast. And I forget the seventh one. I'll try to pull it up. Um, but anyway, like the the world is insane. Like it's some hyper futuristic, like crazy out there science fiction shit. And it's just one of those stories that, oh, I didn't even mention the story. So the story is that the four horsemen of the apocalypse are coming to this world. And so you have um, death being the, the horseman out and you follow his story. And the three other horsemen of the apocalypse are trying to like bring the end of the world here. And death is kind of like on his own path, kind of trying to stop them. But there's so many other like subplots of like political intrigue um, and like the collusion of some of the humans with like the uh, the horsemen of the apocalypse. And there's like a beast that is the beast of uh, like the end of days. Um, it's it's insane. Like it's just so out there and if they ever manage to bring this to life in an accurate way, it will be the most out there show ever made. So do you think that this has potential to be like the next Game of Thrones? It's so different than Game of Thrones because just from I just a meant budget, as far as a huge mass appeal that Game of Thrones yeah, has. I mean, yeah, if you if you adapt it the right way and you're able to not have some convoluted sci-fi mumbo jumbo crap that's in the comics no like it's just difficult to attract like to 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 adapt stories like this in a way that people can like care about them you know if you're just like uh portraying this insane science fiction concept that doesn't give you any type of ties to it as a viewer and you're just showing them weird crazy shit then they're not going to care so you gotta with game of thrones you know you build these characters you take time to develop them as like more grounded humans that you actually are invested in and you care about and at the end of the day game of thrones is kind of about like families and stuff like that so yeah yeah um i looked up the um the basic premise and according to wikipedia east of west is a dystopian version of the United States whose faith rests in the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So that's kind of like the basic, basic premise. And, you know, they, they could go a lot of ways with this. They could adapt it like to the T and just tell the, the, the story that the book tells, or they can just take the, the idea of this hyper futuristic divided nation 
and just kind of run with it and do what they want. And then maybe later on incorporate like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Hmm. Um, I think it would be a little crazy. Maybe, maybe if you started with the horsemen and you made those, the characters that you talk about that you focus on, because the, the book does spend a lot of time with them. So maybe you make those, the main characters that you develop and we just follow them, you know, have, uh, has there been somebody attached to uh, showrun this yet? Yeah, the uh, the Walking Dead uh, executive producer. All right, so I'm not very hopeful anymore. <laughs> Walking Dead was good when it started, and it so it'll East of Watch will start good, and then it East will of go West, East of West. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, I mean, I, they got somebody who has mass appeal. Like The Walking Dead is probably the most watched show on TV. So yeah, it. it I think its ratings have been like really just dropping recently mm. um yeah so I, I hope east of west is good i'll probably try to revisit it so that i can get more uh caught up with the story and like reacquainted with it but i i recommend it if you're into weird comic books like crazy sci-fi mm. shit mm. um let's get to what we've been playing dude oh yeah i'm excited to talk about this the real reason why drew wasn't allowed on this episode of the podcast is because he has not been playing what we've been playing yeah the new god of war on ps4 just came out and we've already put a few hours into it. Probably what, like four ish? Yeah, five-ish? probably four or five hours yeah. or so. We played it. We're both at approximately the same part uh, in the game so far, a few hours in. Um, what was your relationship to the God of War franchise before this game? I played them kind of throughout, but I the only one I played all the way through was the third one. And I know from a gameplay perspective, it's pretty much just like a gory like hack and slash sort of game but they were able to incorporate these really intricate intense epic like cinematic sequences you know like kind of like quick time events mm-hmm. um that just added a whole nother sort of um production value to the game so that was really what drew me to it is like, the way that they were able to show this epic sense of scale right in the third one you're climbing mount Mount olympus and you get to the top and you fight the greek gods at the top and then you get knocked all the way back down you have to climb back up this mountain you're climbing up titans you're fighting on their arms and shoulders yeah um it's insane so i've never i never owned any of the god of war games i played a solid amount of uh, god of war 3 but i was never huge into the franchise the and, story's pretty simple. It's yeah, a revenge story. Right. Um, I know the general like premise for the story and everything. Um, I just I also never owned a PS3 either, so that uh. was also the big thing. Um, but this game, it you do not need to play the original games. Yeah, it's to, called God of War, not God it, of War 4. Yeah, it's it's basically this doesn't take place anywhere in the in the Greek uh, timeline. This is now dealing with Norse gods. So you have Thor and Odin in this world, along with these like giant sea serpents and other things. Um, since we are just a couple hours in, it's not like we're we're not going to get into like spoilers for the game or anything like that. Yeah, if, if the, you want to stay completely clean, then go ahead and and skip this. We definitely recommend the game. It's it's amazing. Oh yeah, but, I mean, there's there's not really much to spoil so far from what we've got gathered. I just want to mostly talk about the gameplay and kind of the setup. Yeah. Um, I had one of the most memorable experiences when I first got my hands on this game. I'll never forget the first, it, the feeling I had 
when I first like started interacting. Okay, obviously when you first start, you're kind of just walking around. It opens in this very beautiful forest with the this uh, funeral ceremony. But once you actually get to like fighting, this game feels incredible in oh, your yeah. hands. And also, not even before we get to that, just starting, you start on the main screen and you hit new game, and you just from that screen that's on the background of the pause menu, the game just starts from yeah. there. There's no loading screens in this yeah. entire game. The entire game is shot as one single shot. Almost like <laughs> yeah, it some really like is. incredible, incredible direction behind yeah. this. And I think that that decision adds so much to the game itself that there is no like fighting you'll be fighting some big boss or whatever and the way that it cuts from actual action to a cutscene back to action is so seamless absolutely it makes you feel so into the game it's like sweaty palms every time you get into like a big boss fight or something like that the way the the discovery of the area is uh, accomplished you you feel like anything could be around the corner like yeah. you don't know what you're about to encounter next you don't know what kind of creature or foe or or you know band of enemies yeah. you'll encounter it's I, it makes it like a really engaging, like unpredictable experience. So I heard like some critics saying that this is the type of game that makes you want to go out and buy a new TV. And I've heard people say that before about games, but I've never felt that until playing this game. Yeah. Like this game, I'm playing it on OG PS4 on my 1080p screen. Um, I think that's how you're playing it too. Yeah. But this game makes me want to go out, go buy a 4K TV, OLED, yeah. and then go PS4, buy a PS4 Pro, Pro and just like see this game because it is probably the most breathtaking game I've ever seen oh in my, my life. God. The way that it looks so realistic and just the textures on the trees, how they're different from each other, and the way that light reflects off of characters and reflects through the trees, it is unbelievable the level of detail that it's, they put into this game. It's so beautiful. There's one particular sequence um, where you're following this one character and it opens up into this beautiful green oasis of a place. And you walk up to this tree and I my mouth was agape at this tree because it's it, it's on top of this like living turtle. Yeah, this, this giant tortoise. tortoise and the the tree is like on top of the shell of the tortoise and you're walking up and there's a house underneath the belly of this tortoise and you're just walking up to this huge creature looking it straight in the eye it looks amazing and just the idea of this concept of this person like living underneath a tree tortoise <laughs> it's realized in the most breathtaking way um i'll i'll never forget like moments like that in this yeah, game yeah like this this game i it's hard to say because we've only gotten a couple hours in and there's a chance that we could play this game and just realize, man, this game sucks, but <laughs> I don't foresee that happening. And I kind of feel like this might be like one of the best games I've ever played in my life. I, like, I don't want to be like getting yeah. too far ahead of myself. Just the opening, the first time, first boss sequence that you have in this game, you fight the this, big troll thing. No, well, after the troll where you fight this guy who's basically like a superhero. Oh, the stranger. The stranger. Dude. That's one of the coolest fucking fight scenes I've ever done in my life. And that's at the very beginning of the game. Like that's one of the first guys that you fight Yeah, and you just have to keep fighting this guy. And also we should say this game is, this is a hard M like, yeah, <laughs> I actually, 
I have like a full beard and everything. They checked my ID whenever I bought the game. <laughs> like I'm like 23 years old and they're still like checking my ID. Like let me make sure because this game is bloody as fuck. Like yeah. this is not a game intended for small children, but it's so satisfying just getting through or maybe you're at like some boss and you die a couple times and it teaches you how to just like, all right, well I, I, you learn timing and stuff like that. It almost gives you a little bit of Dark Souls vibe, except this is much more forgiving than a game like Dark yeah. Souls can be. But you learn how to evade certain enemies, and certain enemies have certain weaknesses. And I think that the entire way that you level up your skill tree and increase uh, your abilities on your ham on your axe is it's it's rewarding and it makes you feel like you're really accomplishing something yeah and, through this world and just that that whole rpg element is amazing but just the mechanics of moving and, and combat feel so precise and you feel like you're really like you feel the weight of every hit and oh, every yeah. time you throw that axe and bring it right back to your hand it's like the most satisfying shit ever it's so cool um the way he moves and runs around and it, it, there's just this really tactile feeling to to the game like seeing that axe like fly around and move and bounce off the ground and off a and yeah the way that physics work in this game is like it's really cool like you you go for a light heavy attack you do a roll whatever you're doing like you your arm movement and the way that your body moves that's why it does feel like you're behind the weight yeah. of everything is because everything is so well thought out and so fluid yes exactly exactly and in terms of story you know i like how mysterious this game is it kind of just drops you right in you know you you um you realize that they're mourning the death of kratos's wife cuz following the events of all of god of war um, he was out for revenge for because he was tricked into murdering his family. Mm -hmm. That's why he wanted to kill Ares and Zeus and all the other Greek gods. In this game, he he's just trying to live a normal life. He's just he, trying like, to raise his child. That. He goes up to the north. Yeah, and we don't know exactly how this is going to relate back to the original game, but so far, it's just a story of a man who's probably hiding from his past based on the encounter with the stranger and just trying to raise his son and show him how to fight and show him how to hunt and be a man. And I think that that's where the heart and core of the story is going to lie throughout the game is seeing his son, um, Atreides, Atreus, Atreus just become a man, go from boy to man and, and, and live up to like his father being Kratos, the God, the God of war. Yeah. Um, and I have heard some people complain that there's like, oh, I think God of War is overrated because the entire game is an escort mission. But it is not an escort mission. Like, Not at all. I've never had an issue where like I'm having to save Atreus. Atreus, not only does can he fend for himself, but he'll help you in combat sometimes. He gets sometimes. better. He improves. You he, can, he grows more confident. There's a really touching moment. Um, he can't even kill a deer. Like mm. He's so young and naive that he can't hunt for food and then he ha he finds himself having to kill to survive mm. so you already see just in the short amount of time that we play we, we've already seen this growth of this boy just having to learn to to be a man and you go you, at first i thought this kid was annoying as fuck it's like damn like he's just gonna be quipping along the whole time and kratos going boy boy that was, i thought that was gonna be the whole game but there's already so much 
emotional weight to this story just of this father trying to protect his son but also teach him how to handle himself yeah i just i really can't wait to see where this game goes another thing that i really love about this game is you can put as much into it or as little into it as you like um i'm a person who whenever i play a game um i wouldn't say i'm a completionist but i love doing if side quests are interesting and engaging i love doing that shit whenever i played breath of the wild i did every single shrine in the game just because that's going kind of, for that that's 100%. the kind of person that i'm going for i'm not collecting 900 korok seeds fuck that shit um but <laughs> breath of the wild yeah but um in god of war like it's one of those things where like uh you there'll be a spot where you get to a new area and you can either continue on going through uh, following the main storyline path or you can just be like, all right, you know, I'm just going to kind of explore around here and maybe you'll find some chests with some runes in them or you can find certain characters who will send you on little side missions to increase your axe's ability. Um, And I love stuff like that. Not only that, but there's also littered throughout this world uh, different things about the about the Norse god lore, yeah, and you really—it's one of those things. Like, if you don't really give a shit, then you don't have to, or you can kind of like read through the stuff, log it in your yeah. journal, kind of read through like what this mythology is like. Yeah, and I I love the way that's done because it's Atre Atreus. It's what's his name? Atreus. Atreus. It's Atreus's words being like he's the one keeping the journal, right. so you're reading it from his perspective and like kind of his little insight on all of the things that you encounter in this world and he he alludes to his mother and the things that she mm-hmm. taught him um because he he feels very familiar with his surroundings even though he's so young he he's almost a little bit more experienced than kratos just because of the relationship with his mom oh yeah you can tell like just how close they were and not only that kratos is unable to read or write so like Kratos kind of needs atreus too along this journey yeah. that they're going on together do we know why the mother is dead uh no. Okay. No, we we haven't figured that yeah. out yet. Yeah, we figured it was um it was just like a natural natural causes sort of thing. But there may be more to it. But also like it's just I love the way this story is presented where there's no like you said, you're just dropped into this world and we come across these characters already where like somebody will come across Kratos and be like, That's not your axe and then someone will just be like, Oh, that was okay. that was my mother's I love that because in any of these or most of these games like this, you just encounter the merchant, you encounter the trader, and he's right. just kind of sitting there. And you're, he's you just don't on have any kind of relationship to him. And he's just there. Exactly. In this game, they make a little bit of a, a tiny like arc out of it. You're you encounter this dwarf who like made the axe that Kratos is carrying, yeah, and, and, just, this, and he gave it to Kratos's wife. Yeah, just like she was a great woman, great warrior, a too. great warrior. Yeah. So there's slowly you're peeling back these layers and on top of this being such a satisfying gameplay experience there's this rich rich story that you're just slowly being sucked into and i the only complaint i give this game is that the font was too small (laughs) okay i'm actually and now they fix that you can make it bigger they patched it today oh did they okay i didn't know that i don't have i don't have any criticism that's funny because um Jeff Kanata, uh, uh, he got into some stuff because he was tweeting this is like the greatest <laughs> game of all time. But um, he said, my only complaint with this game is the font's too small on my giant 4K TV. <laughs> yeah. 
I can't believe that there's people it. there's people that are playing this on PS4 Pro on giant displays and they still couldn't read the text. Yeah, the text needs to be a little bit bigger. Yeah, but, but now it's fixed. Yeah, it's like it's that's fine. Like yeah. that's the tiniest of nits to pick with this game. Grant, you, you got thoughts on God of War? Yeah. Just a, just a bit of a comparison. I don't, I don't know if you've talked about Horizon Zero Dawn much on the game, but do you like it more than that already? So I don't know if we've talked much about Horizon on this pod. Maybe early on uh, slightly, but that was one of those games that really upped the ante in terms of like creativity with the with the world and what you can explore and the lore. It's like it's an open world game, but it feels so rich because of the the story that you're. Uh, uncovering it's this deep mystery um but i think horizon gets a little bit too bogged down with the amount of choice that you have in combat there's so many weapons that you can choose from there's so many ways to play Mm -hmm. i think that's great and it works for that game but the fact that in god of war all you have is your axe It is amazing, and you can do so much with it, and you feel so powerful with it, and then you enter rage mode, and you like can go in with the strength. (laughs) Horizon's a great game. It's beautiful, and I love the story of it, Uh but the gameplay itself is just not as like... Yeah, well, to me, my favorite... One of my favorite things about Horizon, like, it carried the story pretty cool. It had, like, multiple truly surprising plot twists that really enhance yeah the you game. think the game is like gonna end yeah and it just yeah. keeps going <laughs> exactly yeah but uh i i thought the like the the battle in that game is is really cool like the fact that i even go back to it or that it's it's still fun to play afterwards after you've beaten it because because fighting those huge freaking giant robots and there's so many different kinds of them uh because I, I was starting to feel like god of war um almost had like a sequential feel to the fights um i haven't played it as much as you guys yet though but like do you is it is it a lot of like this like multiple ogres and you have an ogre yeah yeah yeah. there's a lot of constantly encountering enemies yeah but it just it hasn't gotten old just because they're able to switch up like the variety of enemies that you're fighting against um that you you're like excited to see what's around the corner you know and not only that like you'll fight these droggers but there will be different types of droggers like there's a drogger that you fight that you can't fight it with your axe so you have to bail on your axe and then just start punching the shit out of it and that's like really cool um another thing that i love about this game is it seems like it's kind of just like a known fact that in big rpgs like this you like you have to have fetch quests you have to do like some grinding like that's just like a thing where it's like oh everybody hates it but you got to do it anyways that's just part of the game and there's none of that in this game like it cuts out all of the fat that always exists in rpg games like a lot of people um myself included kind of thought that breath of the wild did something for reinventing what a Zelda game and what a larger video games could be. And I think the God of War does that same type of thing where it really spares no expense when it talks about, when you talk about gameplay, when you talk about engaging story and you talk about just the way the fluidity behind how everything feels. I really think that this game is kind of going to up the ante in the gaming community for what people are going to expect going forward. I agree. As a closing thought, I'll say that, to me, video games are always much more uh, impressive and engaging when they have a good story to tell. 
Like personally, I I can't. I love Fortnite. Like Fortnite's awesome because I'm able to just kind of play it in the snackable form of just like quick, like five minute, ten minute games. But I cannot put a game like that on the same tier as something like Uncharted, where you're so invested in this grand epic tale of adventure with dynamic characters and great performances and dramatic moments and really intense, intense uh, gameplay and storytelling. But Uncharted has a huge problem, which is you're mowing down dudes, you're murdering left and right, and there's no consequences to it. You're just fuck. You have a gun and you're just fucking murdering, like just looking for treasure. Ultimately, God of War has consequences to the violence, and it has something to say about when you're violent and when you defend yourself, and how crucial it is to not only be able to use defense, but to know when to kill and how and what it means. I think that's the core of this father-son story, and I, I can't wait to see how deep that theme is explored. Yeah, I really, I really think that uh, in however long it takes us to actually beat through this game, I want to have like another kind of a spoiler-filled discussion where we can kind of go through the plot as we know everything that happens. Because I just, I really can't wait to just go go home and dive back into I know, this right? game. Like, I know, me It's too. one of those things that every time I put down, I'm like, fuck, I just want to play a little bit longer. Like, <laughs> God damn it. Like, I haven't felt this way with the game in, in a while. Actually. And I can already tell that there's going to be so much to do once the story's done. Like, I'm oh, passing yeah. all of these, you know, side things, these chests and all of these things that I can't do right now because I don't have, like, the right equipment yeah or whatever. I, uh, I actually um there's so much there's this big lake area where we got to and on one of the uh there's this one place where i just sh- uh went, put my dock over to and i just like went right over to this place and next to it there's a mystic door for you to eventually go through but right now it was just i had like this like floating black thing that i like kind of put my hand through and it opened up this boss who he literally can just one hit you and you die. Damn. So I tried to fight him like a couple of times and I was like, nah, I'm not, I'm not ready to fight this guy yet. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm not ready yet. All right. Well, we are going to take a break and when we get back, we're going to begin into what we've been watching. So we will be right back. Go play yep. God of War. Go play God of War. Go it's buy amazing. it. It's worth the $60. So I was taking Anubis out for a walk the other day, and uh, he gets really intense um, when we go over by the lake, because there's so many birds and creatures and critters and whatnot, and he, I, I had to put like all of my weight into that leash to stop him from like running off. This is a big dog. I was completely like pulling the shit out of him. And he, he overpowered me. 
and he ran straight into the water. So I started like skiing on top of the water. So he was like, it's like a jet ski sort of thing, like being pulled by a by a jet ski. And I was just like water skiing behind him, um, and he was just chasing after these birds. So Anubis was also jump running on the water. No, he was he was swimming really fast. Okay. And then eventually he just started going. He started going underwater, and then he dragged me underwater too, of course. And I try to hold my breath. I try to pull a Tom Cruise Mission Impossible breath hold, but I I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, and I just passed out. And I can't remember the rest. I don't know how I'm here. Did Fishman come save you? Oh, you mean Kyle Mooney? No. Oh no, I meant I meant uh, Shape of Water. Yeah. Oh, um, amphibious man. I think we made we made out a little bit. Mm. He may have he may have noodled my butthole a little bit. Did you get that fish dick? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I I guess we're back. By um, the way, I don't uh, know how I came back. Mission Impossible Tom Cruise breath hold is officially announced as Mission Impossible Sevens. Uh, oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that Kyle Mooney sketch? Yeah, I did. With I him being the fish it. man. Oh, it's so good. Everyone go check out that cut for time sketch. It's amazing. All right, so let's get to what we've been watching. Um, let's get into Barry. We tried to watch the new app, but it turns out it airs tonight, not <laughs> last night. So that was that was our bad. But we did watch. Uh, we did catch up. Uh, yeah. We so two, three, Barry and... two, three, and four, because we right. only talked about ep one. Um, I think this show is very incrementally improving itself yeah. every episode. I think the the newest one was the best one. Definitely. Um I'm definitely still in on and I I think my favorite part of the show is Henry Winkler. Oh, Henry Winkler is yeah. amazing. Um in the latest episode we have him uh <laughs> taking out this detective who's investigating uh the the murder of um the uh the actor student investigating the murder and he's just like this suave dude just trying to like just crack jokes and just be like i have some vital information but if you want it you have to come out to have dinner with me at a fancy five-star restaurant yeah and you know previously we had seen this cop character and all of her stuff in the precinct like it's the most generic cop shit like it's straight out of some cbs cop show essentially (laughs) like csi or whatever uh, and then it got interesting with this Henry Winkler subplot. Cause before that it was like, this is so unnecessary to keep yeah. cutting back to these cops. And then you get Winkler like coming in with the moves. This, this show is definitely starting to come into its own. Um, I think my favorite, uh, I, there were two sequences, uh, in episode three that I thought were absolutely amazing. Um, first one was, uh, the main female love interest for, in this uh in the show she was talking uh she was in an audition for some like tv show gig and she was talking about how uh she was uh she was in this show with another character who she finds there at this uh audition thing and they're like sitting there talking about the show and they're like oh you never saw it we shot six episodes of it but it never made it to air unfortunate <laughs> timing and they're like oh yeah what was it and they're like the name of the show was uh bonnie and the boston bombers <laughs> Tragic situation for for everyone involved for for both sides. Yeah, <laughs> I love uh, I love these like these bits, but 
I also love the violence in this show. Oh, yeah. It's really effective violence. And I think that one of the it's reasons intense. that it works is uh, the Chechens. That was my other thing that I love is I love yeah, these Chechen quippy. characters that we have. Um, another thing in season three, in uh, episode three, we have uh, the arrival of this like legendary Chechen assassin. And they're all just like wanting to take pictures with him. <laughs> he looks like he's like 85 years old. Yeah. And we find out that he's like 45. <laughs> Was he being serious when he says he's 45? (laughs) He's just murdered like a thousand people. So that's what it's done to him. And he just like fucking kills himself because he realizes that he'll never be happy. I love that. It's so dark. Like the dark humor in the show is the best part about it. Also, the the bit of uh, Barry's like partner being his teeth being filed. It's like the most intense. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's. It, it's gnawing at you like just like watching it like this it one of the things that's most impressive about the show i'd say is the direction by bill Hader. Yeah. like it's very impressive work by him he didn't for, do the he didn't direct ep four he did one two and three right but still like it's so good i my one critique is i'm not 100 percent in on the chechens being like quippy guys like being funny um it started to grow on me a little bit, mm. but I'm still not there yet buying that. I, I I can understand that. I buy it in the context of the show because I'm not buying this as a real story. Um, mm-hmm. I think in... Very heightened. Yeah. I, in episode four, we kind of get the establishment of where the show's going now. Um, Barry's finally learning to kind of stand up for himself and just try and put himself out there. They doesn't want to be assassin anymore. He wants to be an actor. Even if he's the worst fucking actor in the world, he wants to fucking do it. He's slowly getting better. He is very slowly. Yeah. Um, and we have like a little bit of drama happening between him and his love interest. And he invites these military ex Marine guys yeah. with him. And we have episode four end with one of the Marine guys figuring out that, He's not making this money by selling auto parts or whatever his front is that he says that he does. Yeah. So he's just like, I want in. So that's, I think, where we're going to... Oh, that's how it ends, of, right? Yeah, that's how okay. episode four ends. Right. So we're kind of starting to get into... I don't remember if this show is eight episodes or ten episodes. Um, it's a shorter season. Okay. I think it might be eight episodes. Yeah. So we're like kind of hitting halfway. that halfway point yeah. here where we're going to get into the real meat of the show. I do... I wish that it was a little bit better. I don't think that it's bad. I still think that's one of the best things on TV right now. But I do, I feel like it's not quite hitting its potential yet, which maybe it'll really stick the landing in the second half of the season. And I mean, it's still only a first season show. Right, yeah. It still has to prove itself. And a first time showmaker. Exactly. Later, like, and he's acting in it. So there's still some things to figure out. It's weird, but I. Bill Hader is like one of my least favorite characters on the show, which I don't know if he he's talked about before, like how he spent more time working on directing it and stuff. And then he went for like the first day of shooting. It was like, oh, shit, I need to make a character decision on my my character. So like, I wonder if that is kind of taking away a little bit from his character. I mean, I it's not like I don't like his character. It's taking me out of it. It's just he's the least interesting character on that show right now. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, so we got a new episode tonight. So hopefully we'll get to catch up on it next week with Drew because I know he's been watching it too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad it's getting better. Yeah. I'm glad oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely is getting better and better as the season at, goes at on. At this point, I think the first episode was the weakest. So 
hopefully yeah. that that trend continues. Um, all right, so let's get into Atlanta. Uh, we just saw Woods, which was ep eight, and again another standout Brian Tyree episode. I think that this this might be my second favorite episode of the season um, after Teddy if, Perkins. After doing a rewatch, yeah, I mean Teddy Perkins is just kind of on another level. Just with it's basically just watching like a short film, um, right? But Woods, I think that this is going to be the Emmy episode for Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah. Like this this episode is just totally stand out. Um the messages there in this episode. It's able to focus as the classic standalone Atlanta episode while also furthering the plot. We get more people telling uh Al's character that like he needs to go out there and he needs to step his shit up. He needs to actually pursue. He needs right. to ditch Earn. Like and not looking good for Earn, the manager. Earn's stock is not looking good right now yeah. at all. Um, although I do think um, I was like listening to uh, the Recapables podcast, and they were talking a little bit about uh, how Al and Earn are kind of perfect for each other. Because when have we ever seen Al actually like working to be a rapper? It's almost like he wants just like to make money that way, but he doesn't actually want to put in any of the work to be a rapper. Like yeah. we have him, he, he doesn't, sits around he doesn't want to do commercials. He didn't want to do the whole like fake Spotify thing. Like he's not willing to do all the things that you have to do. He's not willing to be fake right? in order to get Sell successful. Out. And that's what this whole episode was about was people around him, his uh, girl that he was with, who's an Instagram star. So she's like as fake as possible. Yeah. Like the it, definition of it. Yeah. Like, and just this whole idea of you have to put on this persona. And I think that how the episode ends where we get him just deciding to take a picture, take a few pictures with that kid in the uh, gas station. I think that, that could be like kind of a turn for Al's character yeah. going forward. Yeah. I, I think that the one main plot threat we've seen here is, Al dealing with the fame with like Paperboy, mm-hmm. you know, being recognized everywhere. And he struggled with that. He struggled with finding out how big he's getting here in Atlanta. Um, and that's like the one thing that we're going to expect to carry over through these last couple episodes. Um, I don't want to spoil like why the episode is called Woods. I think that's a nice thing for people to to find out. It was very surprising for me. There's definitely like a little bit of an allusion to Get Out um, yeah. that we have here. Yeah. So that's I don't want to get too wild. into it. I just thought that it was classic Atlanta. You know, this show is at a point already in, in season two where it just does whatever it wants. Mm. It doesn't adhere to any expectations or rules or any sort of mold or it just it just is yeah. and we have these moments in this episode that were so unexpected but yet so atlanta um that i i can't i i keep saying it but it's the best show on tv there's nothing like it like this show is just able to be really dark but also funny and kind of horrifying too. Yeah. There are some moments that are kind of, they're like scary. Like you're worried for these characters. Like that's what just really sets the show apart from everything else. Like it's really unlike anything else. And the direction here, Mariah returns for this episode. And we were talking about while watching it, but there's a lot of 
shots in this episode that are really like Lynchian with the way that there's a particularly one overhead shot of the woods that just slowly zooms out and it lingers there for like 20 seconds. Like and it's haunting looking at it. Like, yeah, it's interesting. The, the parallels to twin peaks here, because there's a show that we're going to talk about next, which is Legion. And that show is also very Lynchian, yeah. but you can't really compare it legion and atlanta in any way they're so different but they both pull from this rich surreal tapestry that that lynch has inspired and you know i keep thinking like there's no way that the return was available while they were writing these two shows oh no i mean so it's really interesting that these there's these parallels when they they weren't watching the return while writing it it just happened to line up that way because they're so inspired by lynch and so um keen to go for that like surreal vibe um i think what atlanta does it just kind of is able to present this really unique world that's so different from ours in the same way that lynch was able to do so with Mm -hmm. twin peaks the the atlanta universe feels very similar but very different to ours it feels very lived in but also it doesn't feel like our world right it's so different it's uh just little subtleties about the way you know drew talks about that donald glover piece on the new yorker and Mm -hmm. i think there was a quote from it where he talks about how there's so many black shows on tv that aren't for black people right. they have black actors in them but the way they interact and speak to each other is very like for a white audience mm-hmm. um and i think the way donald glover and his team has able to been able to craft this show i'm trying to find a way to put it, it just feels like the universe the atlanta universe is like a much more black world they still deal with like you know stereotypes and racism but it's 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 a it's a way of portraying black characters and black culture that you don't really see anywhere else on tv and it's sad because it's the most realistic way yeah in a lot of ways but it still gets so surreal and weird and fucking strange and creepy um it's a it's an unbelievably yeah this this episode in particular was it was a doozy uh, yeah, so that's Atlanta on FX, and we got a couple more apps, two, three? Uh, three more episodes. Okay. This season is one longer than season one, so there's 11 episodes this season. Um, we should, I also just want to say this episode, um, they dedicate it to Brian Tyree Henry's mother, who actually died in 2016. Which adds another layer. Adds another death. layer to the episode, because... Yeah the theme of his mother rings in this episode in a really, like, really tragic kind of way yeah and it solidifies paperboy being like the main character of this season yeah yeah absolutely like he you know we've had great moments with van and darius and Ern, but brian tyree henry and paperboy like they've come through mm. and i think this is becoming his show it's his show yeah it's it's a it's a great ensemble but he has just gotten so so much great material this mm-hmm. season that he's just really, really shining in a way he didn't in season one. Uh, all right, let's get to Legion. I can't wait to talk about this because like Twin Peaks, it's such a weird show that 
I kind of need to like discuss yeah. it to really get a handle on what's going on here. Obviously, m- mild spoilers from this show if you are still trying to catch up. We should Fast also forward. say we're all going to be theorizing here because we still don't really know where this show is going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and honestly, that's one of the most frustrating things about it for me right now. This show scratches a very particular itch for me. You know, th- there was one day in particular where I was feeling I-, I was kind of a little bit in a funk and I put on Legion and it just immediately made me feel really good because I was like, God damn, like this is so good. There's nothing like this. It's it's so strange and and weird and good in the in the best ways, but it makes me so angry too. Like I kind of get angry at this show because it's like fucking with me. Oh it's yeah, playing with me and toying with me, and I don't like it sometimes, even <laughs> though it's amazing. It's so frustrating because I'm trying really hard to follow the plot and to like pay attention to certain things, but then. 10 minutes later I'm like you know everything that I could be watching could be a delusion it 10 minutes later be- you just hear like a talking cat and you're like <laughs> I don't know what anything is anymore it's I well I do kind of understand a little bit of your frustration I fucking love this show um, because of how far it's willing to go just another thing that another aspect of this season that I love is these John Hamm voiceover things that we get yeah we've gotten one every ep yeah Yeah. this newest one I think is the best one yet where they talk about the instead of the placebo effect there's the nocebo effect yeah which is this idea that if you get like a cup of water and somebody keeps telling you like this will make you vomit this will make you vomit it will induce nausea in you despite it just being like Mm -hmm. a cup of sugar water or something Um, and then this idea of uh, conversion disorder, I believe is what it's called, yeah. where you see somebody with a certain twitch and you're around that person enough, then you start to develop that twitch. And in theory, everybody in a community could develop the same type of twitch just by being around each other with it. It's like like how you yawn and then everyone in the room around you starts yes. yawning. Yeah, exactly. And this this what another thing because if these were just in a vacuum i don't know how well they would work but it seems like each one of these voiceovers that we've gotten towards the beginning of the episode kind of ties into what that theme of the episode is as hard as it is to actually draw a theme from an a show like this that's basically eight hours long that they just chop up into hour-long segments well in this latest episode which is the third one it's really about um them going into what they call the maze, which mm-hmm. is these like mental traps that our characters are placed in. Um, so it, it that is the, the the theme for the episode. But I think the John Ham sequences also kind of tie into each other in this overarching way because they're all trying to understand like what happens in the mind when it comes to perception and how the brain is able to trick itself and what is real and what is a hallucination perception and delusion delusion. I think delusion, the, the whole idea of like the maze and you know, the, the, the different ways that we can um, perceive the world and our mind, it all adds to this idea of delusion and, um, our characters are all in different forms of this delusion. And 
I'm almost at a point where I don't even know if the show, the entire show is a delusion. Well, and that's kind of the point. I mean, these characters are, of course, facing delusion, but even we as the audience members yeah. are left in this sense of delusion because we don't know what's happening in the real world and what is happening in their minds. And what to trust from the information we, we're given. Because and you're just left to be skeptical of every single thing that you're seeing. Especially the sequence of future Sid talking um, to... Oh, God, what's his name? David. David. To David. Um, that, we 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 want to believe that that's actually future Sid talking to David. We want to think that that's legit. But everything that's been presented to us Says that's should, not true. should say that he is, he is delusional. He is hallucinating that. He is being controlled by the Shadow King somehow, or maybe even driving himself a little crazy. Because he's so powerful and his his right. his mutant brain powers are so intense, we don't know what could be happening here. There's so many questions. Yeah, one thing that is, well, two things that happen in the same scene as each other um, that I love is we actually are introduced to the Shadow King as the person, not as this the giant guy? monster. Yes, yeah, as he's just a human being who. Even in, in his mind, he doesn't see himself as like a super villain or anything like this. He's just like, oh, I just need to be returned to my body so I can make things right and like this kind of stuff. And it's every character in the show has some kind of sense of delusion. And also, I love the way that Aubrey Plaza is presenting this Lenny oh, character she's now. so good. She really adds so much to this character because season one, she is the big bad in that season. And now we're kind of seeing that she's being used at this point as like a puppet for the shadow King. She's trapped and she's trapped and she just wants to escape. And it's really kind of saying the sense of where I don't know what I should be cheering for anymore. Like, I don't know what the right answer is to these questions that the show is presenting. And we, you know, we want to feel safe in rooting for our main hero for David we want to believe that he is the the guy that whose side we want to be on, but every twist and turn and development just makes you think that this is the this is the villain of the show. Yeah. This is the guy you don't want to trust. I mean, he's truly like he is insane. Like, there's a reason why. I mean, of course, it ended up that he was just like a superpower. Like, he has had all these superpowers, and that was what was driving him insane. But he was originally diagnosed with schizophrenia. And, like, this show is presented to you like you are watching it from a schizophrenic mind. And that's what makes this show so special and so unlike anything else. This is, like... I do have one major problem with this show, which is... We talked about it at the first episode of the season, but this show is willing to go all in with these unbelievable abstract ideas like these idiosyncratic dance sequences that you have. But then we get moments of exposition and it's because I know it's an FX, it's an FX show. So I know the reason why is they can't have all this crazy shit happening and just totally lose the mass audience. Like this is still a network TV show. They still need to get people to watch this TV show. So they need scenes like that. But it's just it's not always sometimes it doesn't bother me sometimes i feel like it's handled pretty fluidly but other times it's really clunky i think a lot of times it gets really bogged down because um it's not spread out 
they pick these like kind they of pick these pockets where they just like kind of overload you yeah, with what's happening. You have right now. you have extended sequences of like really cool surreal imagery and just like over the top visuals that are really cool to look at, but that leaves less time for like the actual plot development. And that's what I was kind of hinting at before about the show making me mad is that because we're giving we're given these moments of like exposition and like pay attention to the plot, I feel like okay, this I need to be engaged. I need to like follow what's happening here. And then it just fucks with you after that. <laughs> yeah, I need I need to pay attention to everything that's being handed to me in this sequence. But it doesn't always feel like it works. Like a lot of times there's some information that's lost and a lot of times it's kind of rushed or unclear. So I would rather this show found a way to lean a little bit less on explaining things and just kind of maybe letting some things be yeah. and be a little bit more Lynchian with like not explaining yeah, everything. Yeah, not giving you all the information. Yeah. I mean, this show isn't trying to answer every question that you have. We're never going to know why... Uh, Oliver and Lenny just kind of showed up in there and they're just like dancing around like poof, poof, and just making people like poof into ashes. Like that's not ever going to be something that's explained in this show, nor should it be. But there are just a couple other things where I feel like it is. It's the they're trying to be art house while also trying to add mass appeal. And that's kind of a critical flaw whenever you reach something like that. You have to lean all in one way or the other. And I think season one was able to effectively like give you weird shit with little exposition because we knew that so much of it was taking place in David's mind. Yeah. Like there's just, there's a stretch of like two or three episodes that take place entirely in David's mind. And you're not concerned with trying to follow the overall plot because we know that these characters are like frozen in time while everything plays out in their heads. They, and, uh, I, but this this season two is much more abstract and it's yeah. trying to be much more grandiose with these themes and what the visuals are that we're actually seeing. So, I mean, it doesn't it's not a huge thing for me. Like it is a little bit frustrating, but it doesn't take me out of the show. I'm still all in. I still love the show. Um, one thing that I do hate about it, though, is. In season one, uh, the character or characters, I should say, Carrie, were my favorite characters on the show just because it was such this interesting idea of two people inhabiting like the same body, the the same mind, really, in two different bodies. And then they can just kind of be together in one body. But their bodies weren't like completely separate from each other. Right. They're able to become one body. Yeah. And they can feel the same sensations in their own respective bodies. And I, there have been a couple points this season where Carrie, the, uh, the male Carrie has become kind of the exposition figure, Mm -hmm. um, which I really wish, I mean, like, I feel like in season one, uh, Patonomy was kind of more the person who was explaining everything that was happening here. And I guess they're trying to, it's almost like they're trying to make Carrie that character now, but Patonomy hasn't been replaced with anything of substance with his character. Yeah. 
all of the the relationships to the main like squad of mutants have really changed in this season. Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't really because, even... Well, a, a year has passed. Yeah, and we don't, we don't even have David, like, developing his romance with Sid anymore. Like, mm-hmm. they barely spend time together, and when they do, it's bogged down in all of this plot with, like, the future stuff and then like going after the shadow king like so much of these episodes have been devoted to figuring out like how to stop Varuk, like the shadow king that like every time it deviates away from that it has to do it in a very specific way for it not to feel jarring because it's so clear that that's the main plot thread that we're following like the show wants it to be explicit like this is the main thing that's going to carry over this season so we when we get these nice like john ham monologue uh, voiceover things like that's that's cool but anything else other than that with all the other characters like it's that's i think that's when we start to get into the clunky exposition um but overall i'm still in i hope the show kind of brings it all together and is able to be satisfying um with with the way the season plays out we have a few more eps don't we is it because te- season it, one was eight is I don't this think uh, it's, 10 eps i think it might be 10 so we okay. still got a little while to go we'll okay we'll be talking about it some more um i think that's it for shows let's get to our little little short review We're, we'll keep this short but we got to check out the uh the movie blockers not entirely our decision. Um, we had a request set in, sent in to us that we had to review Cockblockers because it was getting such rave reviews. Excuse me, not Cockblockers, just Blockers. Yeah, the it's a it's a picture of a rooster. Blockers. Okay. So picture could, of rooster blockers. Yeah. Could can they should have like, had like the rooster emoji? Is there a chicken emoji? Or yes. like eggplant emoji blockers. Yeah, yeah it would it would be relevant to the plot of the movie. All right, so uh, what are your overall thoughts of this movie? Uh, this movie's not good, <laughs> but it's really funny. It's like really really funny. There's some like pretty effective humor. Um, so it's not like a waste of time. It's an enjoyable experience, even though the movie's not great. I would. I would give it just like a like a good. Like it's it's fine to good. Not really good. Just you know, just okay. Okay to good. Yeah, I feel like we're kind of on the same level. Um I'd give it like a six out of ten, yeah. I guess. Yeah, like, like a light to, to solid six out of ten. Strong five to light six. Yeah, like it's I I I wouldn't even go so far as say as this is a good movie. Um I really think that less than 50% of the jokes land in this movie. There's so a lot of eye rolling moments. There's yeah. so many. And like, it's just, I, I do think that there are some truly laugh out loud, hilarious moments in this movie, which we can kind of touch on a little bit. Um, but I think that where this movie, the best parts of it and where I wish it would have spent more time on is delving into this idea of female sexuality and how, Sex is something that's stigmatized for women. Where with guys, if it was, uh, if this movie had take place taken place and it was focused from uh, the boys' perspectives, everybody would just be like high fiving each other, like "Yeah, bro, you got fucking laid." Yeah. But like, since it's like girls, they're like, "Oh my god, they're taking away her innocence." And where this 
uh, movie excels is whenever it kind of deals with the idea. Um, I but think it's the best, so brief. That's and that's the problem yeah. I have is my favorite scene in the movie um, is just a short little scene we get with John Cena's wife who just kind of calls all of the parents out on their bullshit that there's like, why are you trying to prevent them from getting laid? Like this is just a common part of life. Like everybody has sex. You wouldn't, did your dad do this to you whenever you had sex for the first time? Like, no, you fucking didn't. Like, and it's one of those things where I wish that this movie really would have focused more on that because I thought that they were kind of striking the right chord but they just didn't go as in as they should have. Yeah, I think the scene that you're alluding to when the mom character, Marcy, Mm -hmm. she has this like kind of freak out sort of monologue that she unloads onto Leslie Mann's character, Lisa, Mm -hmm. kind of touching on all these points that you're talking about, uh, um, how, you know, women should be allowed to make their own decisions without anyone, including their parents telling them what to do. Um, That's a standout moment, but the movie doesn't dwell on these moments at all. It's not Mm -hmm. concerned with being like a effectively sentimental movie. It's all about the gags. So whenever it does get sentimental and dramatic, it doesn't always work. I think the only time it actually does work is when um, our boy Ike, Ike Barinholtz. Uh, Barinholtz. Of bright he, fame. Yeah. He opens up about his divorce and his struggles with his marriage and his uh, kind of little quest to reconnect with his daughter after his marriage has fallen apart. I think that little subplot is, is great. It lands well. It's well performed. They take a solid moment to let you sit within to, and to, you know, not immediately cut away to the next gag, although it kind of, it it does ends up doing that. Um, but I think that's the one moment that actually works because there's so many other times that like the movie tries to go into this dramatic way and then it just completely abandons it to, to go for the gag. And then sometimes even the gags themselves are completely abandoned for the next gag. So it's not like even the gags carry over and have any implications (laughs) because this all takes place over the course of prom night. Yeah, like over the course of a few hours. But it's, yeah, I I completely agree with you. Um, Ike Barinholtz, uh, character Hunter, so oh, I nice. have a soft spot for him. Nice. Um, I thought that he he was, I think, the best actor. Um, I actually cared about his arc that we have. Um, another problem that I have with this movie is the main teenage girl who we spend the most, who gets the most screen time, Catherine Newton, is the least interesting of the three teenage girls. Yeah, and it sucks because you know I want to support our Halt and Catch Fire. I know alums. she's in Halt and Catch Fire fame. She was in uh, Lady Bird and Big Little Lies, but like it just she just yeah she's I think not it was just, bad. She's not bad or anything. But the, her she's two the least friends, interesting though. Her two friends have much more interesting arcs. You have, um, let's see, Gideon Adlon who is the one who comes into terms with her like gay, lesbian gay <laughs> I was about to say bisexuality but she's she's full on like gay lesbian yeah her homosexuality yeah. homosexuality exactly um, um and that's a great little um arc that she has that's full of its own really effective comedic moments 
Um, and then the other girl, Geraldine, whoa, this. <laughs> Vis Vanathan. Vis one Vis one That's that's better attempt than I would have done. Vis Wanathan. Vis Wanathan. Um sorry we butchered your name if you're listening. I know you're a big fan. <laughs> but she plays Kayla and she's the one that's trying to just hook up with some guy in her science class because she also wants to lose her virginity. And then she um, hooks up with uh, this guy, Miles Robbins, who plays Connor, and they had like the best relationship just because yeah. Connor is known as the cook. <laughs> and he just like cooks drugs and all these fun things. Just but random it's, drugs. It's the way that he describes the drugs. Yeah, it's just like so great. It's like he's literally like at a restaurant presenting the plate. <laughs> to it's just like this. here we have a macaroon. I uh, I left it cook for about twenty five minutes and infused with DMT <laughs> and a little Xanax frosting to keep you uh, nice and chill for the come down. <laughs> yeah, like- um, th- I love that that moment, but. She eats the DMT macaroon, and you think, okay, her night is over. Yeah, she's like, fucked she's now. She's fucked, and then it they just move on from it, and it's not established again how fucked up. Or and another on thing is, is, I mean, it's in the uh, the trailer, the whole thing where John Cena does the whole butt chug thing, and after he does this, he's like really fucking drunk, and then like two scenes later he's like perfectly sober again like nothing happens from that like they're just so quick to abandon yeah. these well, bits that they set up he's drunk in the car immediately after they run away from the cops and you know it's like he he just butt chugged of course he's going to be drunk but then in the next scene it's like he's fine dude you should still be drunk and the movie is full of moments like that where it's just not concerned with being like this realistic story it's just this kind of out there crazy wacky um, yeah thing uh another i mean we talked a little bit about how the emotional moments don't really work in this movie but there's the moments at the end of their prom night um we don't really need to get into spoilers for this it's a very straightforward story like um but the moment where the parents and the their children kind of come together and all this stuff, and it's so unearned in these scenes. Like these parents are like just fucking like walked like flaunts themselves into their hotel yeah. rooms. At one point, John Cena picks up <laughs> Kayla's boyfriend, throws him through a fucking table. Ugh. She's just like, "Oh, dad, it's okay. I forgive you." And even the son Connor is just like, "Yeah, you know, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. You know, we're all chill. It didn't. Yeah, literally, that much. right like, after it happened. What? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> right after it happened. That's not how people behave. <laughs> John Cena's just sitting on the bed with his daughter, having a heart to heart. It's like, <laughs> dude, you just like assaulted her boyfriend, assaulted a minor. Like, like what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? Although like, I will say, John Cena has some really good comedic time in it in this movie. He he's great. He's really funny. He he's actually proving to be a pretty fucking good comedic actor. The way he like plays the character, he's just like this very dad version of John yeah, Cena who tucked has tucked in like, polo. But tucked in polo, he has like a clip-on like uh cell phone holder on his belt. Um and he's just trying to protect his daughter. He just feels like this is the thing a dad should do is just stop some random chef drug guy from having sex with his daughter on prom night like also, um, his heart's in the right yeah, place yeah i guess so um but i the best gags in this movie are definitely go to gary cole who you probably recognize he was in west wing office space he was the yeah i'm gonna need you to come in about 
clock. Um, he's in Talladega Nights. Um, he's like a good, really solid character actor, but he uh, plays the very, um, very progressive parents <laughs> of one of the children. And they, they go by their house because, you know, they're trying to find their kids or whatever, and they peek through the window, and he makes eye contact with Gary Cole right as he fucking climaxes. <laughs> Just stares into his soul that is one of the best it's funniest it's a really funny bit and then they go back to this house later and they're like blindfolded trying to like naked trying to have sex with find each other (laughs) to have sex stuff yeah like just some weird ass shit and he was really a standout uh standout performer in this i think yeah the the movie as like a piece of entertainment it's really effective I would disagree with 50%. I'd say probably like close to 60 or 70% of the jokes worked for me. Even mm-hmm. some of the dumber stuff like really had me laughing. Um, there's a lot of dumb jokes in here. There's not really the smartest humor, but it works for the type of movie this is. This is a dumb movie, so it's going to be dumb fun. Yeah, I just like, I don't think, I think that it pales in comparison to even something like Game Night, which we saw Game Night was day, much smarter humor. Very smart, and it, it the characters behave like real people in that movie. For the most part. That, I mean, yeah, I mean, of course not 100% hit rate, but I think that it didn't have as much stupid humor. Can we just talk about I'm... So sick of why does everybody think that vomiting on each other is funny? Can we like end that bit? Why is that still a thing? Yeah, in like comedies, you see someone it's just like somebody vomits, like you're gonna make me bleh. like everybody in my theater was dying whenever that was happening. I was like, this isn't funny. Like this is like a Family Guy bit that I'm watching yeah, right now. It that, is exactly. What I it paid is. ticket price for a Family Guy bit. Well, I didn't pay. I used Movie Pass. Yeah, but thanks Movie Pass. <laughs> thanks Movie Pass for letting me go see an okay Fucking movie. Fucking blockers. Um. I don't I don't know how much else we we can say about this yeah, movie. Yeah, it's pretty much just about it. This doesn't this I, didn't warrant a full review this week. I will I will say it's one of my favorite movies of the year, but it's at the very bottom of the list. Um I, I'll put it on the list cuz I like it. I mean, it. it's better I than a wrinkle it. in time. Yeah, hell yeah. So, it's so much better than a wrinkle in time. Yeah. You know the 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 acting is solid. The Oh, okay. I can't let this slide without mentioning it. I just remembered the cringiest worst part of this movie is when Leslie Mann's character is underneath the bed of her daughter and boyfriend hooking up. And she is just like freaked out in this room, in this hotel room as like her daughter is about to get it. And she's like very clumsily like trying to evade them like having her. sex on top of her yeah and she's like trying to like sneak through the curtains and behind the tv and she's being so loud and obvious that at one point they turn and look toward the noise that she's making and they just keep doing their thing no, literally her daughter's character that she's dancing with the guy and like playing an ed sheeran song or something <laughs> and she's just like she says to him wait before we do it let's listen let's dance and stare at each other and not break eye contact from each other like it's like what are you yeah. kidding me like that was the most deus ex machina type thing that could happen in that situation like yeah there's there's so many moments like that in this movie and sorry we spoiled it for you if you really wanted to go see i mean it. it's not going to take away the fun, like the humor from the specific jokes that are in there because i say 50 percent just because this movie is like kind of non-stop with its quips mm-hmm. and that's why i lot, think that yeah. 
half of them don't work, but I mean, there's still half of them that do work. And in a movie that has a shit ton of jokes, like that's not, that's not bad. Yeah. All right. Well, that's blockers. I think we've said all we really can. Yeah, um, wrap it up. It's a, it's a solid movie if you're ready for just dumb fun, you yeah. know, it's not, it's not going to melt your brain. It's not trash. It's not brainless. Shit. And we should say like, the marketing behind this movie was made this trash. look like the yeah. worst fucking piece of shit ever. It's like, way better than what the trailers make yeah. it seem. Yeah, it's the trailers actually, have like probably the worst jokes in the entire movie. Yeah, and the whole bit about the parents like going to stop the the like infiltrating prom, it works for the most part. There's a lot of shit that's very hand wavy, like them just walking into prom. Yeah, yeah, it's just a thing. But they it's played well, and you know you it's entertaining, which is what it's yeah. supposed to be. Um, so yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, all that stuff that we bought a mic, email us with your thoughts on all the things we talked about. If you have any questions, feedback, anything, let us know. Uh, please go ahead and review us and rate us on iTunes. We love that. And just go ahead and recommend us to your friends, you know, all your movie TV lovers in your life. Just go ahead and... Game lovers? Yeah. Music lovers? Book lovers? You guys like pop culture? Well, fuck books. (laughs) We don't fucking read here. I am at Calderness on social media, including Letterboxd. What about you? I am at Hunt Mobley on Twitter and Letterboxd. Um... Also, uh, if you guys have not done it yet, check out uh, our link. I'm sure it will link it again to the summer movie wager. Yeah, so you guys can join on in. We let us a, know we if got you a guys that group. This yeah, year. we got a big old group going. So uh, let us know uh, what your tag is. Let us know either DM us or let us know on Twitter and stuff. We'll add you in the group so we can compare, see who has the best summer movies. Check out our commentary track for Bright. Because we endured that shit for you. For fucking you guys. Like, you better listen to it. Yeah, because and, and let us know what other commentary tracks you'd like to hear, if that's something you're about. Uh, next week, we got Avengers, don't we? Yeah, it's Avengers Hell next yeah. week. yeah. God damn, already. All right. Can you believe we have to wait three whole months for a sequel these days? <sighs> well, catch you next time. Thanks Bye. for listening. Bye. Bye.